Welcome to Abide in Liberty, a podcast empowering patriots everywhere to re-enthrone faith, family, and freedom as the bedrock pillars of liberty in education, our communities, and our nation. Hello, my friends, and welcome back for another episode of Abide in Liberty. Thank you for being here today. My name is Braden Hayes, and I am your host. Uh, If you wouldn't mind doing me a favor, if you found any value at all in these messages and these podcasts, if you would please hit the like and subscribe buttons. Um, I've been feeling a real urgency to get these messages out to as many people as I possibly can, and you showing your support in that way will help the algorithms pick us up and and show this to more people. So if, if you wouldn't mind helping out in that way, that would be very much appreciated. I wanted to follow up on a topic from last week and, and build on it some more. We talked a lot about letting God guide your day, let Him flesh out your to-do list. And I had mentioned that I've really been trying to do that in my own life, and that has become particularly relevant with a project that we're working on for the Liberty Youth Academy location down here in Southern Arizona. We have just grown so much over the past couple of years, and we're out of space where we're at. So through I'm not going to go through all the details this time. I may share that in a later episode, but long story short, we found a location. We were moving right along. The SBA pulled funding because we were too religious, and that left us needing to move forward without any loan financing. So that left donations. And that's what we've been working on. We've seen some huge miracles. We've had large amounts of funding come in to get us through the first major milestones of our building project. Uh, We're not all the way funded, though. We still have some things that we need to, to bring in. And so that has been a big part and a big focus as I have approached my tasks every day. I've been trying to get help and inspiration on where do I need to spend my time so that I'm moving this project along in a way that would be pleasing to Heavenly Father and that will result in the funding and the the project milestones happening in his time frame in a way that he would be happy with. About a week ago, though, I began to feel uneasy. And this this is kind of a pattern when things have been going well and there have been lots of miracles, Satan likes to get his equal time. And he has certainly worked on me in the past. And so I'll, I'll kind of be plagued with these insecurities and plagued with second guesses. Not sure if I'm measuring up, you know, do I, am I doing something or am I not doing something that's going to result in this, this, thing that God wants to have happen. And I know that he's behind this and this is his plan, not ours. But I wonder, are there things that I'm doing to be an impedance to his will being done? Usually what this is, it's it's an attack from the adversary. He doesn't want me to move forward. And when I become plagued with those self-doubts, uh, it tends to stall me out. And I don't, it doesn't impel me forward to action. It slows me down. And so those are typically pretty easily discernible as attacks from the adversary. This time felt a little bit different. In fact, I I went to the Lord in prayer and asked him if I've been doing what he wants me to do. Am I living up to his expectations? 
And this time was different than the other times. Uh, this time, the re- reassurance didn't come. Instead, I got an answer that, no, I'm not, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. There's something that I'm missing. And I immediately, when I got that answer, started asking, well, what is it? Help me understand what it is that I'm, what I'm, what am I missing? What am I falling short on? And, and that answer didn't come immediately. It took several days and it actually came through another person, uh, somebody that I didn't know yet. But shortly after, you know, I got this confirmation that I needed to shape up and I needed to be doing something different. There was a, a young lady, well, I guess not, yeah, not young, she's my age, but she came in uh, to tour the school to, to look into it for her kids. And during the course of her meeting with my wife, Bonnie, she, had, she told her that she has spent the last 17 years of her life since she turned 17 herself and became converted to the gospel of Jesus Christ. She has spent the last 17 years dedicating her life to God. And that for her, uh, she's a member of the Assemblies of God, so she has spent that time raising money to uh, pull together shipping containers full of donations for children and and people in Africa. She's helped raise money to start missions in Africa, to start churches there and in different areas in Mexico. I mean, just I was just floored by how much this lady had accomplished in 17 short years. As she was sharing all of this with my wife, she kind of stopped and said, look, I I feel like I'm supposed to offer my help to you in your fundraising efforts. I'm supposed to help you in any way that I can. So we invited her to come join our next uh, financial freedom committee meeting. This is the committee that we put together. It's my wife and I and a couple of other of our school parents who meet weekly to work on fundraising initiatives for this new location. So she came to present to us and this was just an incredible experience. I didn't really know what to expect. And I came away from this just feeling like I had had my cup filled up. And yes, she came with some fantastic ideas that we're going to utilize in our fundraising. But the biggest lesson that I got didn't have anything to do with fundraising. It had everything to do with prayer. She brought that piece of the puzzle that I was missing, that thing that Heavenly Father wanted me to be doing better at. We started our meeting, and we started like we always do with an opening prayer, but as soon as we invited her to begin speaking and turn the time over to her, she asked if she could say a prayer as well, and she did, and different Christian denominations have different phrases that they use, kind of different common prayer language, and so some of the phrases that she used were a little bit different than the way that I've grown up being comfortable with, but this was a beautiful, beautiful prayer. And it was beautiful because you could tell to her, she was talking to a real person. And this was a person that she had developed a a real relationship with. And so one of the first things that I took out of this is, man, I, I do pray and I pray regularly but I, I all too often get sucked into a pattern of prayer that's repetitive and doesn't have a whole lot of thought together. I don't, I don't approach it like I'm having a conversation with a dear friend or a family member. 
but she spoke to God that way. So that was just an incredible example to me. But the the biggest thing that I got out of this was that she, in that prayer, asked for God to open doors, asked for God to soften hearts, asked for God to help us know what we needed to do to make this project of his come out the way that he wanted it. Now, I had been focusing all of this time on help me know what I need to do, but I had completely lost sight. And in hindsight, this looks absolutely ridiculous, but I had completely lost sight of the fact that God can act without me. He is capable of miracles and doing his own work, and he doesn't need me all the time. Now, that seems obvious, but I had gotten stuck into this idea that the sole purpose of prayer had become for me, help me know what I need to do. And my fear was, I'm going to mess this up. If I don't do the right, perfectly right thing at the exact right time on the right day, it's all going to fall apart. And it's not going to be God's fault. I knew that he could make things happen. I knew that that this was his work, but I thought that I would be the one to mess it up if I didn't handle this perfectly. And that is wrong for a whole host of reasons. Number one, he doesn't need me. I need him. I need him. And the other thing is, it's not realistic to expect that level of perfect execution from a human being. I was expecting that of myself. I'm expecting more of me than he expects of me. And that's a part of what was kind of weighing down on me and and keeping me down. Yes, I can work hard, but I can't cleanse myself from sin. I can't do the resurrection on my own. The Red Sea didn't part for Moses because of something that he had checked off on his to-do list. I can't raise the dead or, or heal the sick or move mountains or change people's hearts. Miracles are real and he can do them without me. I need to be willing and have enough faith to pray for miracles and ask him to intervene and trust that he will do it if that's what he wants to happen. I can pray for miracles and I can ask him to tell me what he wants me to do. But if I were to have to choose now in hindsight and having kind of put my head back on straight finally, if I had to choose which of these two things is the most important relying on God to do his work without me, and maybe that's the wrong way to put it, not without me, but trusting that God can make his own stuff happen, and then asking for him what part he wants me to play in all of this, which is the most important, and where is the majority of the work going to happen? It's on the role that God is going to play. I do my part, and that's important, but it's important because it shows my faith and my trust in his plan. It shows that I am willing to do my best so that he then can be activated by that faith to go out and make his miracles happen. And I think for me, the perfect example of this from the scriptures is Moses. Freeing Israel from Egypt was a big job, and God did all the hard stuff. He's the one that turned the water to blood. He's the one that sent fiery hail on the earth, which 
defies physics completely. He's the one that sent the plague of locusts and the plague of, of flies. He's the one that parted the Red Sea, and he's the one that drowned the Egyptians in that same sea. Now, Moses did play a part, but his part was to exercise faith, to go into Pharaoh and give him the warnings that God wanted him to get. And that took faith on Moses' part because he had to trust that God wasn't just sending him there to die, that Pharaoh wasn't just going to get angry and, and take him out. Moses had to be willing to exercise faith and take the children of Israel to the banks of the Red Sea. And then when Heavenly Father parted the Red Sea, he had to take those small steps to show faith by walking down into that soggy ocean floor with walls of water on either side. That took faith. God was doing the heavy lifting, but the small tasks that Moses were getting, small tasks that, I mean, really are huge and show an incredible amount of faith. And I don't want to downplay that, but when you look at who's doing most of the heavy lifting here, it's God. Moses was just required to take those steps of faith to show God that he had the faith. God literally can move mountains and he can part oceans. He just asks us to take the small steps to show our trust in him. So really, I had everything backwards. I had this idea that I had to do most of the work and God would fill in the gaps. And that is just completely wrong. God does all the works. He does it all. He just asks us to exercise faith so that he can step in. Our, our stepping forward in faith and our asking for his help, he won't violate our free agency. He won't step in and take control if we don't let him because he values our free agency so much. But when we show that faith, when we say those prayers, when we ask for his help, and then we take those steps forward in faith, then we are giving him that control. We are using our agency to invite him in, and then we can stand back and watch him work his wonders. Another Old Testament example who started off kind of more like from the perspective that I was operating under, but eventually reached a Moses-type level of faith, was a guy named Hezekiah. And his story is found in 2 Kings, and we also get a part of the story in Isaiah 22. But just after the Assyrians had wiped out the northern kingdom and had taken them away captive, the Assyrians turned their eyes towards the southern kingdom, towards the kingdom of Judah and the capital city, Jerusalem. And it got to the point where all of the cities outside of Jerusalem had been destroyed by this king of Assyria, Sennacherib, a real nasty, brutal guy who had just devastated the countryside, the northern kingdom. I mean, the kingdom of Judah had watched for years this unstoppable army just roll over country after country and town after town and nothing could stop them. Hezekiah started repairing the walls of the city. He built a, another bigger wall further out um, that was super thick. He built a tunnel that brought water directly into the city so that at least they'd have water in the case of a siege. So he started doing all these things, which are good things that you would think a king should do. But Isaiah came and rebuked him a little bit 
and told him that, you know, these things are okay, but you have forgotten to trust in God. So basically, look, these, these things you're doing are great, but they're not going to be enough. And you will not get through this if you don't repent, if you don't rely completely on God and get your hearts where they should be. Hezekiah, to his credit, took Isaiah at his word, got his entire people repentant and ready to rely on God so that when this enormous army shows up and threatens to destroy them, and they can make good on that threat. They had just done this many, many times before. Hezekiah trusted Isaiah when Isaiah told him, don't give in. It's going to be okay. God's got this. And he didn't tell him exactly what he was going to do. He didn't tell him, hey, look, here's how this is going to work out. You're going to get really nervous, but don't worry. There's going to be an angel come and he's going to kill 185,000 of the Assyrians and they're going to run with their tails tucked between their legs back to Assyria. He just said, don't worry about it. And Hezekiah trusted Isaiah, trusted in God, and this incredible miracle happened that saved Jerusalem from just an enormously huge, powerful, and brutal superior force. Hezekiah, yes, he built a wall and he, he dug a tunnel. That wasn't going to do anything, though, in the long run against this army. There was no way to for them to beat this army without God's help. It wasn't the tunnel. It wasn't the wall. It was God stepping in. But Hezekiah did have to take those small steps. He did have to do nothing when Isaiah said, do nothing. He had to just sit and wait and trust when Isaiah told him, don't just wait. It's going to be fine. And I love both of these stories because they've been a great reminder to me of how insignificant I am and how much this project and this thing that we're in the middle of right now is not dependent solely on me or even a large part is it dependent on me. I need to do my best to follow the promptings that I receive, to to do what God tells me to do, and yes, let him dictate my to-do list. But I need to be asking him for help. I need to ask him to open the doors that need to be opened, to soften the hearts that need to be softened, to put me into contact with the people that I need to contact, and then trust that he will move forward in faith knowing that he's not going to command me to do something and then leave me out to dry. Now to wrap up, the enemy of truth, the enemy of freedom, Satan, he and his servants are working overtime right now. And we as followers of Christ need to meet that energy Heavenly Father needs his children not to sit on the sidelines, not to find a corner and cower, and not to just grin and bear the evil and the tide of darkness that's sweeping our world today. He needs his children to get into the game. There is so much that we can accomplish. And when I was listening to the story of this young lady who had done so much in her life over the last 17 years just by consecrating and dedicating her life to God, to doing whatever God asks her to do and going wherever he asked her to go. 
she has accomplished an extraordinary amount in a very short amount of time. And just imagine what this world would be like, what this country would be like if all of us were to pray and ask for God's help, ask him for specific miracles. And if we were to pray for guidance and live every day to follow what he wants us to do, imagine how much good we could accomplish. What if we all live that way? That's what millennial peace looks like. That's what the millennium looks like. That's that's everybody working on on trying to bring about God's will and not being distracted with all the worldly things and with all the the hobbies and all of the all these just things that are not eternally significant that distract our time and that take our attention. And the good news is we get to practice that here. The way that we prepare for that kind of peace is we do as much as we can to live it, to put it into practice, and to to make it a reality as much as is possible in our own homes, in our own communities, and in our own churches. My challenge for you this week is do something to actively seek what God's mission for you is. If you don't know what that is, if you haven't received some kind of a confirmation that this is what I want from your life right now, this is how I want you spending your time, this is where I want you dedicated, then then take the time to find out what that is. Be open to whatever answer you get. Accept the fact that whatever he tells you to do, you will be inadequate. You're not going to necessarily have everything right now that you need in order to make that happen, but move forward in faith. Trust him that he can work incredible things through you. And then go forth and do good things. Go make it happen. Thank you for listening to Abide in Liberty. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes and share this with friends and family. In the meantime, keep up with the show online at AbideInLiberty.com. Also, if you'd like to help our K-12 bless and educate more families, contact us by visiting LibertyYouthAcademy.org. Until next time, be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, and be strong.